Bible. <clears throat> James chapter 4. Recently, I was reading an article written by a pastor for pastors. And <clears throat> uh, the, the particular author of this article was a guy named uh, Tom Rainier. Uh, <clears throat> uh, one of the reasons I, well, uh, I, no, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, <clears throat> um, I don't know about you, but <clears throat> if the title of an article or a book doesn't grab my attention, I, I, I'm not going to read it. Just, I'm just saying. Uh, I, I, I know that that wise, but I, I can't help it. it. It just, I basically have two, two criteria in, in when, I, when I read articles or books or, or whatever. One is the, the title. It's, it's got to grab my attention. Uh, <clears throat> the other is the author who wrote it. Uh, <clears throat> because we need to be very, very careful uh, who we read and what we read, especially with the internet today. Uh, you you can find more garbage to read on the internet than than ever before, and 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 uh, so we need to be very very careful with that. That's why I'm very very careful. Uh, you know the the authors and the different things that I read. Not that I'm closed-minded. It's just I'm very particular. Does that, does that make sense? And, and occasionally I will stray away and read something from somebody that I don't know and different things. But for the most part, uh, it, it, it really has to come from those two criteria. The, 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 the title of the article, and I don't even know where I saw it. I just, I just saw it and, 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 and So when I see an article, I print it. I, I can't. I, I for me to sit and read an article on the computer, I'm, I'm doing this, and you know. Anyway, I, I know I probably need different kind of glasses, but I, 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 to me, it's easier to print it and then sit back in my chair and read it. Paper's better. Paper's better. I like that. I like that. Anyway, I printed this article, and this is the title of the article, and see. Again, this is from a pastor to pastors, okay? The title of the article was Four Key Attitudes That Are Killing Church Attendance. Now, do you think that that would catch the attention of another pastor? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. At least it, it did me. Now, I'm not going to read the article or anything, but I am going to share with you, and there's a purpose for this, okay? Just, just bear with me. There's a purpose for it. I want to share with you the, the four main points of the article. <clears throat> the, uh, the first one is the attitude that church membership is not biblical. It is biblical, okay? But there's an attitude out there that says it's not. Anyway, I don't want to preach this. Um, uh, the attitude that we are part of a church primarily to get our needs met. And that is the absolute wrong reason to be a member of a church. Number three, the attitude that church leaders are not held to a higher standard. That is absolutely false. 
church leaders are held to a higher standard. And then number four, uh, the attitude that expect expectation of faithful church attendance is legalistic. No, it's not legalistic, it's biblical. So, anyway, he closes the article by saying this. Declining church attendance ha has at its core unbiblical attitudes. It's time to stop pretending otherwise. Now, the reason that I am even talking about this, and one of the reasons I like particularly like this particular author, is he gets to the point. He doesn't beat around the bush. And I, I like that. Um, you know, typically, those of you that know me, know I do not like talking on the phone. I, I, I do. I talk on the phone all the time. But you can ask my wife. Generally, when we are on the phone, it's, hey, how you doing? Okay. Oh, you're fine? Okay. All right. I'll be home in a little bit. See you later. Bye. I, I, love you. Yes. <laughs> And that, that's how I talk on the phone. I, I, I think I inherited that. Oh, Ronnie's the same way. Um, I think I inherited that from my pastor. Uh, those, most of you know Pastor Stevens. Um, pastor Stevens was, was the same way. If you ever, well, now he's old enough, he can't hear. So, what? What'd you say? Um, but um, I, I had something really heavy on my heart one time I had to talk to Pastor Stevens about. And, and um, so we went into his office and, and I, I started beating around the bush. You know, because I, you, know how, you know how it is, you don't really want to say it. And I don't even remember what it was, but I just remember. It. And finally he's like, Rick, shut up. Just get to the point, man. And <laughs> so anyway, I, 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 I appreciate that. And, 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 you know, I have read books that I, I, could, I could have rewritten the entire book in about five sentences because the person writing just talks, or, well, they don't talk, but they write and 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 write. And, write, and, write, and, write. and it's like they, they, they just repeat themselves over and over and over just in different ways. So what's the point? The point is this, we need to get to the point. We need to get to the core. And the reason that I, I like this particular author, again, is because he gets to the point. He gets to the core. He, he doesn't beat around the bush. He, he writes these articles that are just literally in your face, and, and, and there's no fluff. But we live in a world today that we don't want to, we, we like fluff, do we not? We don't want to have to face the problem. We don't want to have to go to the core, if you would. Two weeks ago, <clears throat> I preached a message called The Power of Prayer. And it was based on Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And I'm going to read that to you. And it says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples to pray, or, or taught uh, his disciples. 
again, the disciple gets to the point. Teach us to pray. And, and two weeks ago, again, we talked about the power of prayer. And I read, then, I read then to you a quote from Charles Spurgeon. It says, True prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is, it is spiritual transaction with the Creator of heaven and earth. When we go to prayer, we are in a transaction with a heavenly Father. It is, it, is, it is not a flippant exercise that we perform when we're in trouble. Now, yesterday, <clears throat> I, I did something really stupid, potentially really stupid. <clears throat> I, I decided, I had a little bit of time yesterday, so I decided I was going to go in my truck and, and do some off-road riding and and just kind of do some exploring and you know that's always not a good thing well i shouldn't say always occasionally that can be a bad thing and i ended up finding myself south of fallon do you know what is south of fallon well other Okay, <laughs> well, other than a lot of nothing, there is an old lake bed. And what have we had in the last few months? A lot of, a lot of precipitation. And what happens with these old lake beds when you have a lot of precipitation? They're not old lake beds anymore. They, they become mud holes. And... <clears throat> I found myself, I'm like, where am I? Oh, no. You know how it is. And I, I started praying. Earnestly praying. Begging God to help me get out of this mud hole. Fortunately, I made it. And I hit, I hit solid ground. Uh, there's a road over there. I ended up over near the, the, uh, the speedway down there by Fountain. Man, I got out of the truck. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. My poor dog. I took. I was. I was stupid enough to take the dog with me. She was. <laughs> she. She. She looked at me like, okay, I want to bite you right now. Anyway, so there are those kind of times when we pray because we just we're in a jam, and I was in a jam. The title of my message this morning is The Heart of Prayer. The Heart of Prayer. This morning I want to help us understand what is at the heart. Or you could you can change it any way you want. You could put the core or the root of prayer. What what is at the center, the heart of prayer? In Luke chapter 1 verse 11 that we that I read just a few moments ago, Jesus' disciples asked him to, to teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Now, I believe that the unnamed disciple was not asking for 
a lesson on mechanics, but more of the heart of prayer. You know, because what is what is the difference between the mechanics and the heart of prayer? Uh, I I want to uh, the 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 uh, definition of mechanics is is functional detail or procedure. In Matthew chapter six verses seven to thirteen, Jesus gives us the mechanics of prayer. Okay, uh, but when ye pray, use not vain repetition as the heathens do. For they think that they shall be heard which with their much speaking, but not ye, therefore, uh, like, uh, excuse me, but not ye, therefore, like unto them. Excuse me. I'm trying to read too fast. Excuse me. But, <clears throat> I don't know why I keep saying but. Be not ye, therefore, like them. So don't be like them. Don't. Don't go into the vain repetition and, and the, the much speaking. <clears throat> For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, here we have what is known as the Lord's Prayer. In the verses preceding the, the, the Lord's Prayer, we're told not to pray in vain repetition. But yet, what do people do with the Lord's Prayer? They, they repeat it word for word. And, and in, the, in, in Jesus trying to, keep, to teach the quote-unquote mechanics of prayer, he wasn't telling us to repeat word for word, but he was setting out a model for us to base our prayer life on. Okay, does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> so what does the heart of prayer, what, does the, what is the core, what is the root of prayer look like it is the very thing that makes prayer work I believe we see the core the root the heart of prayer in James chapter 5 and let's read <clears throat> verse 16 really just the last the last half of John uh, James chapter 5 verse 16 the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I believe this verse, or this half of verse, reveals the heart of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so very much for this day. Thank you for your love, for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I ask as we look at your word this morning again, that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, help us to understand and to know how to pray. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Along with that verse that I read uh, before Melanie sang this morning, <clears throat> as I explained then, there are certain verses that intellectually we know 
uh, and but it takes a lifetime to learn how to live. Prayer is one of those things. I can intellectually explain to you how and why you need to pray, but until you start doing it and you get a hold of the the heart and the passion of prayer, uh, it's just a ritual, ritual, ritualistic exercise. The book of James is written by the half-brother of Jesus Christ. So, if there's anybody that could make the statement that, that is made here, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, it would be James. And I base that, my opinion of that, on the fact that he had multiple opportunities, would he have not, to see Jesus pray and to hear Jesus pray. So James would have seen firsthand the passion and the heart of prayer like nobody else would, would have opportunity. <clears throat> James, as we look at the, the book of James in this particular verse, James identifies three things that I believe is key to answered prayer. The first one I want to look at is the word fervent. The effectual fervent prayer. The, the word fervent literally means power. The power of prayer. <clears throat> the second point of this morning, and you don't have to put it up yet, I'm just going this is more informational. The second point is the word effective. But if you look at our passage here, effective comes before fervent, does it not? And in English, when the translators went from Greek to English, they did everything grammatically correct. Does that make sense? The word Effective modifies fervent. Does that make sense? And then fervent modifies what? Prayer. So that, that in English, it is grammatically correct. But if you were to look at it in the Greek, the word fervent comes before effective. See, there's no grammatic... Um, correctness, if you would, in, in, the, in the Greek language. <clears throat> For us, if we wanted, in, in English, if we want to add emphasis to a word or to a sentence, we can do certain things to it and, and, and uh, uh, you know, exclamation marks and quotes and, and different things, we can add emphasis. In Greek, if they wanted to add emphasis to a particular word, they just put that word first. Does that make sense? So the way we read this in English <clears throat> uh, is <clears throat> that effective prayer is fervent. That's how we would read. That's how we would read it in English. Effective prayer is fervent. But the way you would read it in Greek is fervent prayer is effective. See, the emphasis is on the power. The emphasis is on the fervency. And again, when you understand that, it, 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 it changes, it doesn't change the meaning, but it changes the emphasis. And 
effective prayer is dependent on power, not the other way around. See, if we are going to be effective in our prayer, it has to start with power. James illustrates this in verse 17. Look look at verse 17 of our passage here. Elias, or uh, Elijah, was a man subject to like passion as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it rained not on the earth by a space of three years and six months. See, Look at the two words, like passion. What, what, does, what do those two words tell you? Hopefully it tells you that Elijah was human just like you and I. Wouldn't it? Hopefully that's what it tells you because that's what exactly what it means. And those two words reveal the secret to Elijah's power in prayer. You say, wait a minute. How does being human reveal Elijah's power in prayer? Well, it's really simple. He needed God. See, the problem is... Oftentimes what we do with with people like Elijah and Moses and and David and some of these other people in Scripture that we, we tend to put up on pedestals, we tend to think that they have some supernatural powers. That when when they pray that the supernatural power kind of takes over and that's why their prayers get answered. Well, that's not true. They are human just like we are human. And the fact that the like passion of the like passions that Elijah had to deal with are the same passions and problems that you have to deal with. And the fact that he had to be 100% dependent on the power of God in his prayer life. So where does the fervency or the power come from? It comes from God. It does not come from anything that you can generate. It comes from God. Elijah understood, and so did James, that their power had to come from the throne of God. So when they went, there was a sense of, of well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. <clears throat> anyway, Daniel, when in the book of Daniel, when Daniel, Dan, there's a prayer in the book of Daniel that we're going to read here in a minute, but Daniel had just been uh, reading, <clears throat> excuse me, through the book of Jeremiah and reading about the 70 years of persecution that was going to be coming to to uh, <clears throat> Israel and 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 he was really burdened over it and and just broken and in Daniel chapter nine verse nineteen, as I read this, see if see if you can't hear the intensity of his words. O oh Lord, hear! O oh Lord, forgive! O oh Lord, hearken and do 
defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Do you sense the, the, the burden and the anguish and the, and the, 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 the need of hope in the voice of Daniel? See, Daniel, Daniel realized there was nothing he could do in his own power. Fervent prayer starts by understanding that within yourself you have nothing, but through God you have everything. I believe that one of the most intense, powerful prayers that has ever been prayed was prayed for you and for me. Luke chapter 22, verses 41 to 44. Again, hear, hear the intensity of the prayer. And he was <clears throat> withdrawn from them, that, that being Jesus, about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not thy will, excuse me, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him, and being uh, in an uh, in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, <clears throat> and his sweat, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus prayed that prayer for you and for me. Why did the angel have to come down and strengthen and and, and encourage Jesus? Because Jesus knew what was coming. And the human side of Jesus had to have been struggling with the, the spiritual side. And Jesus knew the only way that he was going to be able to accomplish was through the power that God would give him. Fervent, powerful prayer. Number two, effective prayer. Effective prayer uh, is, is what brings a desired effect. It is, the, it is, it is <clears throat> effective prayer that makes a difference. Prayer that impacts the lives of those around us. See, the, the reality is this. If you, <clears throat> if you do not have effective prayer, powerful, effective prayer, then who does it impact around us? Nobody. I want to say this, and please understand when I say this. Effective prayer is rare. Prayer is not rare. But effective prayer is rare. Luke chapter 18, verses 10 and following. Two men went up into the temple praying, one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even uh, as this publican. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. 
and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, I, I did some study and some uh, research. Well, not research. I just did some counting. There you go. That's that's the word. The first man's prayer is 34 words long. The second man's prayer, seven words. The first man's prayers <clears throat> used five personal pronouns <clears throat> to refer to himself and, all, and in all five were in self-righteous manner. The second man's prayer, he used one personal pronoun to refer to himself and it was in a self-condemning manner. We have two prayers. Yet which one was the most effective? The least spoken. Somewhere along the way, we have gotten the misconception that effective prayer is, is wordy prayer. It's flowery. It has it has it has all the 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 key phrases that we need to make it sound good. But in reality, where does effective prayer come from? From the heart. Like yesterday, all the all I was saying is, Lord, get me out of here. Over and over, just get me out of here. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Sweat and blood. Sweat and blood, baby. <clears throat> Look at verse 17 of our passage. And Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it <clears throat> rained not on the earth by a space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave, up, uh, gave rain, uh, and the earth brought forth her fruit. <clears throat> In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, is the event that we just read about. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was uh, of the inheritance of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, behold, <coughs> excuse me, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to thy word. Now, <clears throat> At first glance, if you were to read 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, we, we almost get the impression that Elijah uh, goes to Ahab the king and just flippantly says, hey, until, until I pray again, pal, there ain't, there ain't no rain. I mean, that's kind of how it comes across, is it not? But if, if you go back to James chapter 5, <clears throat> There is, there is an interesting phrase here that he uses in verse 17. It says, he prayed earnestly. We don't see this earnest prayer in 1 Kings 17. We do see it in James chapter, chapter 5. And to the best of my ability, the way I understand what James is trying to say here is, that prior to Elijah, uh, Elijah confronting Ahab, 
Elijah had a season with God. And the, the word, the word um, that, that is, um, uh, it says he prayed earnestly. It, 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 the, the word earnestly gives the idea of, of, of anguish. That, that uh, as I was reading and studying this, I, I got the, the impression that he, he literally wrestled with God. And and more than likely, we don't know. I'm I'm. This is my opinion. I my understanding again is that that Elijah uh, probably argued with God. No, I do not want to pray for a drought, because he knew the results of a drought. People would die, and he struggled with that. But his prayer was effective. His prayer was effective. It didn't rain until he prayed again. Effective, fervent prayer. Anguishing, struggling. Effective prayer isn't always easy. Sometimes we have to pray some pretty hard things, do we not? Elijah Elijah did. Let's look at Nehemiah. Nehemiah, one of my favorite people in Scripture. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the word of Nehemiah, the son of Hilkiah, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu, in the 20th year, as, in, uh, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, and he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that were escaped, which were left <clears throat> of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant, the rent, 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 yes, that word, <clears throat> that we, that are left of the captivity uh, there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also was broken down and the gates uh, thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass <clears throat> when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the Lord, excuse me, before the God of heaven. Nehemiah's life was turned upside down because of prayer. He heard of the distress that, that was taking place in Jerusalem and it, and it broke his heart and he went to God and he prayed and basically God said, okay, Nehemiah, I'm going to use you to change Jerusalem, to change a nation. Literally, God used Nehemiah to change an entire nation and, and in essence really changed the whole region because of his fervent, effective prayer. In Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 15 and 16, this is the result of prayer. So the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month of Elu, in 50 and 2 days, and it came to pass that when all the enemies thereof heard thereof and all the heathen that were, round, uh, that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down 
and their own eyes. And get this, and they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. See, Nehemiah didn't stand there and say, look what I did. But because of his effectual, fervent prayer for a broken heart, for a city that he had never visited, God used him to literally change an entire region. And to be honest, it it is still affecting the people today. First, our prayers must be fervent. Secondly, they need to be effective. And then number three, the word purpose. Purpose. Let's go back to our verse, or the, the last half of the verse. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Purpose goes to the heart of prayer. Purpose is the thing that 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 <clears throat> we have to choose. And you say, how do where do you get purpose here? Well, we get that from from the, the two words, a right well, three words, a righteous man. A righteous man. Now, does righteousness in any man happen without purpose? Absolutely not. The only way that we can live a righteous life is to purpose or to choose that we are going to do that. And you say, but wait a minute, Pastor. I am 100% human. I, I am no, no way, shape, or form. Can I be perfect? Well, I, I've got some good news for you. The word, the word purpose here does not mean perfect. Okay, because you're right, you, you, you'll never be perfect, but you can be righteous if you choose to be righteous. The word righteous literally means a person in right standing with God. So when it, when it says that a person, that, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, in other words, what he's saying, <clears throat> the, the prayers of a man or a woman who is in right standing with God or has come to God and said, hey, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart and save me. And then after we're saved, what happens? Sin comes into our lives and, 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 and it causes a lack of fellowship with God and we have to get right with God. First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The righteousness here is someone who is purposed in their heart that they're just going to live for God. We see this example in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, not with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And we know the story. Daniel goes on to be a a man of God who does great things for God. But it all started when he was a teenager and he purposed in his heart that he was going to live for God. He was a righteous man. Because he wanted to be, and he chose to be, and he purposed in his heart. We can do the same thing. Will we ever be perfect? No. Absolutely not. 
but we can be righteous. See, when we have purpose in our prayer lives, it changes everything. We can have fervent or powerful prayer that is effective when we have purpose. We pray differently because we see the world differently. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 and 36 says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and preaching uh, <clears throat> the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and, and every disease among the people. So what was Jesus doing in verse 35? He was going around and, and, and teaching and preaching in the villages and the synagogues and all of, all of these places. But I love verse 36. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. What happened? He saw the world differently. And when we purpose to be like Christ, what are we going to do? We're going to see the world differently. One of the things that... Yeah, I have time. Um, <clears throat> it's not dark yet. <laughs> One of the things that I've, I've started doing when I go out to Lovelock is I... Um, I listened to sermons on the way there and on the way back. And, and um, God, God's really been working on me about something in my life. And I'm not going to share it with you because it's, it's personal between he and I. But <clears throat> don't you hate it when God convicts you? Amen. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and here I'm, I've been struggling with, I shouldn't say struggling, God's been, me and God's been working on something in my life. And, and then I, 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 I turn on this sermon and guess what they're preaching on? Yeah, <laughs> you guessed it. <laughs> but in all of that, I, I want to say that one of, the, one of the traps that I fall into is I get I get tunnel vision. I get I get focused on one thing, and I get locked in on it, and that that's all I see. Anybody else like me? Okay, and 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 there have been times that I have walked through those doors, walked up here, walked right through back over back into my office, and 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 not seen anybody. I can I, I I remember one day I was when I was in the Navy I was walking down the pier and I was I was I was working a problem over in my head that I was I needed to solve a problem at, at work and I I'm walking down the pier and I'm I, I'm I got my eyes open and I'm I'm walking down the pier and the next thing I know this commander is yelling at me and I'm I just you know how you just kind of pop into reality well I hadn't saluted him. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just all over. I never saw him. So I, I saluted him and took off running. That's how I get. 
My point is this. I oftentimes lose fact that there are lost people all around me that need Jesus Christ. And as my prayer life changes, my worldview changes as well. One of the hardest things for me to preach on is prayer. Because I have flesh just like you have flesh. And there are mornings that I sit at my desk and I pray and my mind is over here and it's over here and I'm constantly pulling it in, trying to stay on task. So a lot of times when, when I preach on prayer, it's something that I need. And God has reminded me that as I pray, my prayer life changes, my worldview changes. And I see people differently. Psalm chapter 141, verse 1, Lord, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me, uh, give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. When was the last time that you cried for a loved one that needed Jesus Christ? I mean, when, honestly, when was the last time that you shed physical tears because you were so burdened for somebody who needs Jesus Christ? Recently, I had breakfast with someone and they were, they were telling me that they're praying for a loved one and that, 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 that tears just running down, down, down his face. And my, my first thought was, praise God for that. Because that is prayer that is, number one, fervent. Number two, it's effective. Number three, it has purpose. Or, what about Elijah? When's the last time that you anguished or you wrestled with God about something? When's the last time, you, you know, we... we <clears throat> We often use the illustration of, of Jacob. Did not Jacob wrestle with God in a very physical sense? Well, that is, that is an incredible picture of, of, of prayer that we can have with God. That is a, a wonderful picture of the kind of anguish, the, 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 the struggle that went on in Elijah's heart before he prayed for that drought. He wrestled with When's the last time you wrestled with God in prayer? Or Nehemiah, who wept and mourned and fasted for many days because of a need for a people he had never met, for a city he'd never been to. Prayer changes things. But more importantly, it changes you. Charles Spurgeon wrote this. I, I read this and was like, wow, what an incredible statement. We must get rid of the icicles that are hanging on our prayers. One of the problems with prayer 
is we can get into a rut. We can, we can get into a rut and we can pray the same thing over and over and over and over. And now all of a sudden it has become uh, uh, sounding brass and singling. Uh, anyway, you know what I mean. Tinkling cymbals, that's what it was. Or, or we read earlier that it's just empty words. And God doesn't hear that. See, prayer is something that, that, that has power, that is, that is effective, but most importantly, it has purpose. Let's spend less time on the mechanics of prayer and more time on the heart of prayer. I'm going to close with another quote from a guy named Dan Reed. He wrote this. When the truth affects us emotionally so that we pray fervently with passion, maybe even with pain, then our prayers become effective. I want to challenge you really, really simply with a simple question. What does your prayer life look like? Most of us, including me, it's, it, it is not what it ought to be. Again, understanding that <clears throat> prayer is one of these things that you're going to be struggling with your entire life. But I'm here to tell you, the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. What's your prayer life like? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank